Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. I'll meet you there in just a little bit, but let me do just a little bit of review by way of where we are in this series concerning paradoxes. We started out with an introduction concerning the power of paradox, and we talked about the reality of paradoxes, whether it's in life, in science, the Bible, and, of course, the cross, the greatest paradox of all. We talked about the reasons for paradoxes. Living by faith requires it. We need to focus on both sides of issues. It gets our attention. It expands our thoughts. It helps us to learn, in other words. And then we talked about the results of it. In our second message, actually the very first one concerning a particular paradox, we talked about uh, up is down and down is up. And that the, the, the way down is what? It's pride. The way up is humility. So we've talked about those things. So tonight we're here in Matthew chapter number 10. And uh, verse number 39, and it'll be easy to figure out what we're talking about. Dying to live, dying to live. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I'm absolutely amazed at the way God works, and uh, it was just last night I happened to be flipping through the TV channels, and I come across, uh, I guess it was a documentary about uh, about a particular battle in Vietnam, and it depicted some incredible amounts of courage and uh, and bravery. And it reveals to what great lengths people will go to in order to in order to save their lives and the lives of others. And and I I just sat there and watched that. I was just spellbound, thinking about the bravery of of those those men and uh, uh, what they did and the risk they took. They just laid it all on the line. Well. Whenever we think about our Lord as He was facing the cross and getting ready to to leave His disciples, He met with them in the upper room, and although He previously had alluded to this, it was there in the upper room that He was preparing them for what lay ahead. You see, He knew that terrible things, painful uh, persecution awaited His followers. He knew the day was going to come that the authorities would arrest them and demand that they either renounce their faith in Christ or or be put to death. And uh, on several occasions, he taught them the true the true value in life. And so here in this paradox, he's teaching them that if uh, if they made the pursuit of self interest, self preservation, if they made that their main goal, they're going to miss the most important thing about life. And so they're naturally in a paradox, two sides to the coin, and so there are two things for us to consider here 
in this verse, and uh, we'll see in other verses also that relate to it. First of all, to find to find your life is to lose it. To find your life is to lose it. Selfishness, of course, demands that we do what we want to do, that we have it our way, uh, and and, and it, it it always ends in disappointment. In fact, selfishness does. At least three things that I want to mention. Number one, it leads to letdown. Selfishness always leads to letdown. You're always disappointed. For example, if it's the pursuit of pleasure, it doesn't satisfy. I mean, if it did, uh, Americans wouldn't be so bored and so depressed, right? Because, I mean, here we live in the lap of luxury and with every imaginable pleasure under the sun available to us, and yet we're coming apart at the seams. So uh, pleasure doesn't satisfy. Possessions do not satisfy. And the Bible tells us that. And not only that, you just look around in the world today and, uh, and, and think about, uh, the, the, the rich people and how miserable so many of them are. It's just, uh, amazing that they, they had a list, uh, on the, on the news there this evening and of the, of what the highest paid athletes made in, this Mayweather, the boxer, I think it was a hundred million dollars he will make this year. Hundred million dollars for boxing, and, and, and then LeBron James, I think, it was fifty some million, and uh, Tiger Woods right at fifty million, and a, a huge number that that was going to make like in the forty million dollar bracket, including Matt Staub. I mean, can you imagine uh, Schaub? Uh, Forty million dollars? Are you kidding me? And, and and we we just can't hardly even comprehend the large number of exceedingly rich people in America today, and it hasn't solved our problems. So pleasure, possessions, they don't satisfy. Power doesn't satisfy. And boy, the history is full of examples of that. I mean, Caesar, Alexander, wasn't it Alexander that they found him trying? I think it was because there were no more worlds to conquer. I mean, you know, he, he just, you never get enough. Napoleon, Mussolini, Hitler, and, and all of them had power, but did not have real satisfaction. Popularity doesn't satisfy. Flip over to Luke chapter number 17, and this fits in so well with what we're talking about anyway. And we think about popularity, and I think about Lot and the situation that he was in. And in chapter 17 and verse number 32, it says, Remember Lot's wife. And and then he says, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall Preserve it. You know, whenever, whenever Lot pitched his tent toward the well-watered plains and it seemed like he had everything going for him and he, he, he becomes quite popular, you know, there uh, in the city and he's a man that sat in the gate, a man that was looked up to, a man in a position of responsibility, a man who uh, was evidently respected in, in a manner of speaking at least and yet he ends up Losing 
losing it all. And his wife looks back and becomes a pillar of salt. And although he was a righteous man, he was a righteous man out of the will of God, and it resulted in his ruin. So, so uh, selfishness always leads to letdown. Secondly, selfishness leads to loneliness. Now remember, we're talking about to find your life, you have to lose it. And if you're selfish, you're going to be let down. If you're selfish, you're going to be lonely. A fellow by the name of D.H. Lawrence wrote a book entitled uh, the, the, Man, the Man Who Loved Islands. And he was a fellow that just for whatever reason, he, he, he loved solitude. And uh, you've often heard me talk about whenever I was just a young guy and I always thought, you know, I want to live way out in the woods where... You know, nobody around, just me and an old hound dog, and that's all I cared about. And uh, you, you know, that might sound uh, appealing to some people, but it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And and here this fellow loved solitude, so he bought an island, but after a while he got bored with this island, so he bought another island, and then he got bored with that, and he spent his life buying one island after another until finally he went stark raving mad. He lost his mind. He went insane as a result of it, you see. And what a pitiful, lonely life it is when all you care about is trying to satisfy the desires of your heart. Leslie Flynn, an author and a preacher, told the story about a about a fellow and his his nephew, a young man, came to him and he was a Christian and he was deeply troubled and uh, he he asked his uncle. He said, uh, "You know, I I, I want to know why I'm here. What's my purpose here on earth? Why was I born?" And so his uncle replied, "If you will be obedient to God, He will let you know. He He'll reveal what it is." It just so happened that later that day, there, there, there was, he had gone to the theater and there was a fire in the theater or he saw the fire, whatever the case was. He goes into the theater and of course there's all of the smoke and the fire and uh, people are screaming and trampling one another and he gets someone and he drags them out to safety. He runs back in and he does that over and over and over again till he is burned and suffering smoke inhalation. And uh, finally 13 people, 13 people had been spared as a direct result of this young man. 13 people saved as a result of his bravery, but he suffered severe pain or burns, and naturally the pain. It was, and, and he it got him to the hospital, and it, it wasn't long after that before he died. But before he did, with his uncle there at his bedside, he said to his uncle, Now I know why I was born. I was born to save others. Those 13 people I was able to save, and he understood that. But the story doesn't end there. Sometime later, I'm talking about months later, and his uncle was walking down the street and in that same general area, and here was a fellow that was all just 
psyched up, I mean, just an emotional mess. And, and this fellow kept saying over and over again, he said, I was in, the, in, in, a, in a burning theater and I saved myself, I saved myself. And, and then he would repeat it over and over and over again. And, and, and of course, he's standing there looking at this guy like, what in the world are you talking about? And of course, he knew about the fire and all of that, but why is this guy so upset? And there happened to be someone else there that was acquainted with this man, and he came over and explained to him that this fellow was in that theater that day with several of his friends, and he made the decision, instead of trying to help them out to save himself and to run out and to leave everybody else behind, and he went stark raving mad as a result of it. I mean, now he has lost his mind with the guilt associated with being so selfish that all he could think about was saving himself. And uh, when, you, when, when you think about selfishness, there's going to be a letdown, and there's going to be loneliness, and there's going to be loss. It never pays, it never pays to live to please yourself, just yourself. Now, a lot of the things that we do by way of serving the Lord ought to be pleasing to us. I mean, that's natural. We think about worshiping God or studying the Bible. I can't think of anything I love more than studying the Bible. That is exciting. Uh, uh, It's thrilling to, to be able to do that, you know. And so it's well and good to love that, but... But it ought to always be the result of us doing what God wants us to do and the joy that we get out of that. But when we do what we want to do just because we want to do it. And I, I was thinking about the message on Sunday about obedience. And you see, we can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and it's wrong. Do the right thing for the wrong reason. If the motive is wrong, everything about it is wrong. God's not pleased with it at all. So it always results in loss. There are no rewards for those who live just to please themselves. Now, let's flip the coin over and look at the other side, and that is to lose your life. To lose your life is to find it. Well, if we're going to talk about this, the first thing we need to do is to think about the greatest example of that to be found anywhere, and you know who that is. Turn to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12, and naturally we're speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater example of someone uh, willing to lose their life for the sake of uh, of finding it and uh, in chapter number 12 and verse number, let's see, let me get there, verse 24. Well, let's read verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, that is truly, truly, I, I say unto you, and here it is, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Well, we've just been talking about that. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father 
honor. That is the greatest example of all that we give of ourselves that we might live. And we do that for the sake of others. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and here it is, and not to please ourselves. Boy, if we could, if we could just get the victory right there in that one area, wouldn't that be wonderful? Not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Oh, wait a minute. I got some neighbors I don't really like that well. I got some neighbors that don't really like me. I, you know, I got some neighbors that are Democrats instead of Republicans. I, I got some neighbors, you know, they're a different race. I, you, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, there are a lot of times we have difficulty in this. And, and what, what do we normally do? Well, we look out for number one before everybody else. But here it says, let every one of us, and nobody's exempt now, Every one of us do what? Please his neighbor for his good to edification. That is, building him up for, here, here's the example, for even Christ, please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So there is, there is our example right there. To lose your life is to find it. Nothing good is going to come out of trying to save your life in the sense of living to please yourself. Well, that's the greatest of all examples, but but let me give you a good example. Not the greatest example, but here's a good example in Hebrews chapter number 11. And a good example is Moses. And uh, this, this is, to me, really an amazing story when you stop and think about it. And we can't spend a lot of time here, but I don't think we need to. Just listen carefully as, as uh, Paul writes concerning Moses here in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is just, that's really amazing. Uh, that a young man, you know, would make a choice like that. Choosing rather, now watch what he's going to choose. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So here is a great example. And I'm certain that that you can you can think of other examples. You can think of people, you know, that people that you have known that that gave of themselves sacrificially that they might be a blessing to other people. And look, that's where real life, real satisfaction comes from in giving of yourself to the point that you're denying yourself for the sake of others. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said many years ago. He said, no man is worth his salt who is not ready to risk his body, to risk his uh, well-being, to risk his life in a great cause. I jotted that down in the flyleaf of my Bible 40-some years ago, and, and I believe it's true. We're just not worth much 
if, if all we're going to do is just to live to please self. And uh, we, and whenever he says a great cause, I don't know what Teddy had in mind when he made that statement. He may have been, you know, thinking about dying for your country or, or whatever else. But for you and I, that great cause is the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to give ourselves to just any cause that comes along, but to give ourselves to the highest cause of all. I read about a Scottish pastor that said that he, he knew of, from experience that some of the, uh, the, the sanitariums that both were in England and in Scotland back during the days in World War II, and they literally had to close down. They had to close down because they didn't have enough patience to keep them going. Now, you would think the opposite would be true. You would think, you know, that the war is driving people insane and, 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 and they're just filling up to overflowing. But he pointed out the fact that people were so busy during the air raids and all of the problems associated with war and all of the, all of the many needs of the people that folks were so busy helping other people that, uh, that all of a sudden they quit thinking about themselves and their emotional problems were solved as a result of that. As, as he was talking and explaining this, he looked over and he, and he saw a, a woman in the, actually in the third basement of the church. This served as an air raid shelter, a Red Cross shelter, and so forth. And here's what he said. Notice that woman yonder wearing the uniform of a volunteer nurse. Two years ago, she was an invalid and a problem to herself and everyone else. You ought to see her now when the siren sounds. Instantly, she's on the job, often working all night long, caring for the injured and dying. Everyone loves her. Immersing herself in a cause, she found life no longer a victim of worry and fear. You see, we worry and have fear because of what? Trying to protect our lives. We're, we don't want to lose our lives. Now, now, I know I'm making a comparison there with that, that which is physical, and naturally we all have a natural desire for self-preservation, and we take steps to keep ourselves safe. I, I understand that. But whenever you've got someone that reaches the point, and I was thinking about those men in Vietnam uh, last night and, and watching what they did, race right down the street in this little old Jeep, the 50 caliber machine gun mounted on it, and these guys hanging onto it with their weapons. And, and, and on one of, the, one of the situations, they were going to rescue one single woman. And these, these men were, happened to be Navy SEALs and they risk everything. Bullets flying all around. I, I don't, I, it was a miracle. I don't know how in the world, I don't know how in the world they, uh, they survived. A lot of bad shots over there, I guess. This one fellow then later on, as they're trying to get these people out of a compound, they get sort of, uh, well, I guess not sort of, they're actually, uh, trapped by the enemy, and so they need to get in a high position. And uh, the one fellow gets up on the roof. He falls through this old rickety roof. He falls through into the upper floor, into this room, 
and two big hungers standing right there shooting at him while he's falling, and they're missing him all the time, and all of a sudden they're out of ammo, and they're, they're, they're putting a new magazine in, in, in their gut, and he shoots both of them. But why, why would you run into the face of danger like that? Why would you do that? I'll tell you, if your main concern is for self-preservation, for your own life, if you're so selfish that all that matters is whether you live or not, you would never do something like that. But somebody that has made that decision that I am on a mission, and even if it costs me everything, I'm going to do my best to fulfill that mission They're not sitting around worrying and fretting. And so many of our worries are associated with things that are caused by our selfishness. We're worried we're not going to get this or we're not going to get to do that and and on and on and on. And it all has to do with our attitude of selfishness. But when we get to that place in our Christian life that what we want isn't the most important thing, but rather doing the will of God and ministering to others and helping them. When we get to that point, I'll guarantee you we'll worry a whole lot less about what our life is all about. And that's why I keep saying over and over and over again, when you're good to others, you're always best to yourself. Don't forget that. When you're good to others, you are always best to yourself. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, No man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. You want to help yourself? Help somebody else. Several years ago, and I want to wrap it all up here, several years ago I read about a missionary and, and two others, and they, they were walking over the mountains of, of Tibet, and, and during the course of the journey, they come across a man that I can't remember the reason, but for whatever reason, he's, he's, he's laying there, he's, he's, he's dying of cold, he's begging for help. And, and so the missionary and these two other travelers, they, they start trying to think about what are we going to do? I mean, and the other two men come to the conclusion and said, look, we've got to get out of here. I mean, it is excessively cold. We cannot survive. We cannot stop. We cannot be slowed down. If we don't get off of this mountain now, we are dead men. And the missionary just just couldn't leave the man. So they went ahead. The missionary grabbed the man and picked him up and started carrying him. And through the physical exertion and the warmth of one another's body against each other as they went, as they traveled along, uh, before they arrived at their destination, they came across the, the lifeless bodies of those two men that went ahead. Determined to save their lives, they lost it. But these, these two were saved as a result of it, of of a man that was willing to risk his life to help another. And in that, there's a great lesson for us. As one missionary, another missionary said years ago, the worst thing that could ever happen to a person is to live life, uh, live life through never having a cause worth dying for. That's tragic, to live your life through and never have a cause that you feel is worth 
dying for. So I guess the question and the bottom line tonight that that I need to ask myself and you need to ask yourself is, uh, what am I going to do with my life? What am I, what am I going to do with my life? Am I, am I going to try to keep it? Is, is that the thing I'm going to focus on? Is that what's going to be most important? Or am I willing to lose it? I love that old song. I think the, I think the Gaithers wrote it. Uh, he gave me something worth living for. Something more than, help me out, Jennifer, uh, something more than wealth and fame or something. He, yeah, that's it. He gave me something worth living for. He really did. You see, it's not all just about heaven. As wonderful as heaven is, I tell you, the benefits of being a Christian are, oh, are, are, are manifold, and there's so many. And one of those benefits is, hey, uh, if God, like I've often said, if there were no heaven or no hell, if God never did anything else in my life except do what He's already done in my life, it'd be worth it all. You see, that's the difference that Christ can make in our life. Save it, you're going to lose it. Lose it, and you just saved it. Let's pray. Father.